Isn't it wonderful to hear that really cool music, then music, then the lights come on and there's a nerd sitting up here. That music is much cooler than I am, I'm going to tell you that. Is it okay? All right. Fellow nerds, unite. All right, we're together. So good to see y'all, Upward Family. Love y'all so much. So good to be with you today. Did you know God's up to some great things in our church family? Oh, he's doing so many tremendous things. Just last week, we had the largest weekend gathering for a regular Sunday in our history. That's been exciting to see all those people showing up, and that's just wonderful. Uh, two weeks ago, you guys gave the largest regular weekend Sunday offering. Regular weekend offering in our history was two weeks ago. Let me tell you how generous you were two weeks ago. Uh, you guys gave more in one week than was our annual budget when I first came here. Did you hear that? More in one week than our annual budget was 25 years ago. God is good. Thank you for your generosity. Even greater news, next weekend we're going to baptize 17 people in water. And we're really thrilled to be able to do that. Best news of all, God is good. Now we're starting a new series today called Choosing Joy. We're going to learn from the book of Philippians how to choose to live and to walk in joy. This series is so important in our day because so many people are facing storms in our day that threaten to take away their joy. So many people are talking to me saying, Pastor, I have things coming at me from three or four different directions. Can anyone identify with that today? It's like three or four different things seem to be hitting me at one time. And I, and I hear this over and over again, especially in the last several months. People are feeling pressure from all sides. It is so important to understand that the power of joy can carry you through your storms. Nehemiah said it this way, when he was in a battle, when he was rebuilding the walls around Jerusalem, Nehemiah said to the people, the joy of the Lord is your strength. And the joy of the Lord can power you through the storms that will inevitably come into your life. Now the good news is, there's a book in the New Testament that is all about joy, and it is the book of Philippians. Now, Philippians is what we call an epistle. The New Testament has several epistles. Do you know what an epistle is? They asked a group of uh, uh, middle school students some years ago what the epistles were, and they said the epistles are the wives of the apostles. And that's wrong. No, that's not it. The epistle, the word epistle simply means letters. So the New Testament has very many letters, and they're written by normally one of the apostles to a specific person at times and very often to a specific church. And the book of Philippians is one of the epistles. It is a letter that the apostle Paul wrote to the church, to the believers in the city of Philippi. That's why it's called Philippians. Paul was extremely close to these people. He loved them so much. He says in this passage, I have you in my heart, and I long for you all with the affection of Jesus Christ. This was a church, I believe, that if Paul could have, this would have been his home church. He loved these people so much, and he wrote them a letter about how to walk in the joy of the Lord. Now, what's especially powerful about the book of Philippians is its theme of joy. Joy is mentioned 14 times, and it's just a really short letter. Paul mentions joy or rejoicing 14 times. But one of the most powerful things about this book is where it was written from. 
when you think about that. You know, I've heard of authors who like to write. They find a beautiful place. If any of you have ever been to Flat Rock, to Carl Sandburg's home, he wrote about his home, and he said, this is a beautiful place. I can't remember the exact quote, but he said, just right down the road, where the birds sit where I tell them to, and I have my spot where I can dirty paper. Sandberg found a beautiful place over there on the hill to write and was so wonderful for him, this wonderful, comfortable, idyllic spot. I've got a, we moved into a new home recently, and I've got a back porch on that new home that looks out into the woods, and I told Alexa, I said, I'm going to write a book on this porch, because it's a comfortable, wonderful place. If I can't write a book there, I'll never be able to write a book anywhere. So when I think of the Apostle Paul writing a book on joy, I think, I wonder if he had a back porch. I wonder if he found a quiet spot where he could sit and listen to the birds and wrote a wonderful book on joy. Have you ever just felt joy in your heart? Have you ever just felt the joy spring up? One of Daniela, my daughter's famous moments in life, she got really excited one time and she told her mom, we'll never forget it, she said, Mom, I feel like running through a field and throwing flower petals into the air. She's like five years old. Moments of joy. And we like to think that in those moments, we could just write about joy. Let me tell you, the Apostle Paul, not only did he not have a back porch when he wrote this, not only did he not have a quiet spot, when Paul wrote the book of Philippians about joy, he was a prisoner. When I first learned that, it shocked me. Because I always thought I could write about joy very easily and would think about joy when things were okay. But see, I didn't understand the real power of joy. And it's the message of Philippians behind the message, and it's this. Joy is not dependent on your circumstances. The joy of the Lord that can come into your life has no dependency on what's going on around you at all. In fact, it flourishes in the storms of your life And you find out how real and powerful the joy of the Lord is when things aren't going so well. If you're in that spot today and three or four things are pressuring you, maybe it's a relational pressure, a financial pressure, a work pressure, whatever's going on in your life, this is the moment you can discover the true power of the joy of the Lord. And you can know for yourself that the joy of the Lord is your strength. Paul didn't grow bitter. He wrote a book while in prison about joy, and over the next few weeks, we're going to explore at least chapter 1 of Philippians, and we're going to learn how Paul could walk in joy in the midst of circumstances. Now, something about this passage today, I didn't want to give you Andy's sermon on Philippians 1 today. I really prayed about this, and I said, Lord, I want to say what the Apostle Paul said. I want to give the people on Sunday not my opinion about joy, but I want to give them what Paul said about joy. And as I read this passage, we're just going to look at a few verses today. As I read this passage, I saw something that didn't make sense. Disclaimer for this message today, it doesn't make sense. Is that okay? Stay with me. I don't know if at the end of the day it's going to make a whole lot of sense. But the Apostle Paul tells us something in the opening verses of Philippians that is so counterintuitive, 
that is not the way I would think you get to joy, but Paul says it over and over again, and here it is. You ready for the statement that doesn't make a lot of sense? Get ready to scratch your head. Our joy grows as we enter into the service and suffering of others. That is so counterintuitive. I'm going to say it again. Our joy grows as we enter into the service and suffering of others. I would think that joy would come into my life when I get away from other people. Any introverts? You wouldn't think it's seeing me here, but I'm an introvert. I just want to go. I told Alexa, when we got that back porch, I said, you're not going to get me off of here. I said, in fact, I'm just going to Zoom the messages from my front porch. I'm going to preach to people. If I had my way, I would never leave. Amen. Introverts, you got a friend up here. I would think joy comes from separating yourself from people. I certainly don't think... In my fleshly mind, joy would come from serving other people. I'll take care of my problems, let everybody else take care of theirs. That would bring me joy, right? I certainly wouldn't believe joy could come through entering into the sufferings of other people because I've got enough problems myself. I'm struggling with enough in me and possibly getting around other people's suffering could drag me down to the level that it destroys me. But in the opening verses of Philippians 1, Paul tells us that joy actually comes through serving and suffering with other people. Let's unpack it together. Two verses to start with. Paul says this, opening up the book. He says, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine making requests for you all with joy. Here's the first thing I want you to get. When we pray for others, our joy increases. When we pray for others, our joy increases. Paul says to the Philippian church, basically, every time I think about you, I thank God for you. Every time you come to my mind, I say, thank you, Lord, for those people that were a part of my life for that time. Thank you, God, for that church that I left behind there. And he thinks about them thanks God for them, and it brings him joy. Anybody have any people in your life? They may be in heaven today, but people you think back on, and you say, God, thank you for making them a part of my life. Anybody have anybody like that? You just say, God, thank you. Every time you think of them, turn to the Lord and say, Lord, thank you for them. Thank you for the blessing of knowing them. Any of you have people who are still alive today? Uh, I hope as many hands go up, people that are still alive, that you say, Thank you, God, for these people in my life. Amen. How many say, thank God for Pastor Andy, that he's just a part of my life? <laughs> well, that is absolutely shameless. That is shameless fishing for compliments there from the pulpit. That is shameless, and I'm so sorry. It just came out of my mouth. Forgive me. Just thank God for people that you love and you serve. Paul learned the joy of taking to God his thanksgiving for the people in his life. You ever start thinking about the people that bug you? That neighbor down the road, i got to be careful. A bunch of my neighbors go to upwards, so i got to be careful saying that. That neighbor 
who rakes his leaves in your yard, has loud parties at night. I tend to focus on the people that are bugging me. But old folks, if you look around, I can say it's true for my life. There's a whole lot of people in my life, and I'm looking at many of their faces right here, that I just say, thank you, God, for them. Thank you, God, for the people you brought in my life. Paul said, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you. Every time I think in my joy increases. Then he said, in every prayer of mine, I'm praying for you. I'm making requests for you all with joy. Now, Paul had a tremendous history with these people. Paul's ministry started there in a crazy way. Uh, he, first of all, led a woman to the Lord named Lydia. The Bible says she was famous. She was a traveling businesswoman who sold purple cloth. Paul had an experience in Philippi that was really crazy. He was walking down the street, and this demon-possessed girl was crying out and telling fortune. She, she, someone else owned her. She was actually a slave, and someone owned her and used her demonic power to make money by telling people's fortunes. This young girl saw the Apostle Paul and Silas, his teammate, and went around saying, These are servants of the Most High God. Even the devil understands some things. But it irritated Paul. He didn't need the devil to, to be his front man. And Paul put up with it for a day or two. Then he turned around and he said, In Jesus' name, come out of her. And the demon left her. Good place to say amen right there. Yes. And her owner got upset because she couldn't tell fortunes anymore because the demon was gone. So he had Paul thrown into prison. Paul's in prison in Philippi. He and Silas, his teammate, they beat him up and put him in the stocks. And this just tells you something about joy, friends. I'm going to tell you something. They were in a terrible situation. They'd only been doing good. They'd been healing people, setting people free, proclaiming the gospel. They wind up in prison, all beat up. That's the time I would have written a book on how they'd done me wrong. I would have written an expose of the legal system in Philippi. Right? I got my protest signs out. Paul and Silas did something else, though. They began to praise God in the middle of that situation. They actually sang songs to God in the middle of the night. And then God played a song called Jailhouse Rock. If I offended you by that, it was on purpose. So, Somebody said this was the original jailhouse rock because what happened, God rocked that jailhouse with an earthquake. All the cell doors flew open. The jailer knew that he was about to lose his life because he'd lost his prisoners and they would kill him. And then he looked around and Paul said, hey, he starts to kill himself. He's got a knife out. He's going to take his own life. And Paul said, hey, don't kill yourself. We're all here. That's the second miracle that night. Earthquake opened the prison. All the prisoners stayed. Paul led that man to Jesus and his whole family that night. This started the church at Philippi. And Paul said, every time I think about you, Lydia, I thank God for you. Every time I think about you, slave girl who's now free of that demon, I thank God for you. Every time I think about that jailer who beat us up and then Jesus saved him that very night and his whole family, I pray for you. Praying for people 
others gives us great joy. I don't know about y'all, but I imagine it's true of you. It's very easy for me to become self-focused and to view the world based on how it affects me. When I pray for people, it turns my focus outward. And one of the most powerful things in your life to bring joy in your life is to take your focus off of you and put it outward onto your community, onto other people, onto others' needs, onto others' sufferings. And I found out if I'll concentrate on meeting others' needs, God's going to meet mine. Now, there's a balance to that. Caregivers can go so far in that they never care for themselves. But I'll tell you, there's the, the other side of that is if you solely focus on how everything affects you, your joy meter is going to go down and down and down. And when you pray for others, your own joy increases. Now, Paul says this in, in verses 5 and 6. He said, I'm praying for you, making requests with joy. And this is what I pray for. For your fellowship, what I rejoice in, I rejoice for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now. Then he gives us this powerful verse, verse 6, and I'm not going to talk a lot about it, but I want to say Paul said, being confident of this very thing, he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Christ. Paul's saying Jesus started this work and Jesus will finish that work. And the church has said, amen. But Paul said, the thing I rejoice in is your fellowship in the gospel from the very first day of the founding of this church, when you came to know Jesus until now. This was a period probably of about 20 years from when the church was founded and Paul actually wrote this letter. He said, I rejoice in your fellowship from the beginning till now. Now I'm talking to some church people. How many church people do we have here? How many old time church people I have here that you've been in church a long time? Can I see your hands? All right, that's a few of us. Fellowship for you means cookies and Kool-Aid. Nah, there's a few more of you now, right? You got the old stale cookies, and you got Kool-Aid that's been watered down three times, right? And that's fellowship. You got a napkin, cookie, Kool-Aid in a paper cup or a solo cup. That's fellowship. Now, fellowship meant so much more to the early church. Fellowship meant serving together for a common mission. Here's the deal. When we pray for others, our joy grows. Secondly, I want you to see this. When we serve with others, our joy grows. Paul said, I'm thankful that we have served together for a long, long time. Can I tell you one of the key ways to have joy in your life? And it's going to sound self-serving, a pastor, to say this, but here it is. Find a great church. You've already done that. It'd be good if you said amen right now. All right, you've already done that. Find a good church. Get behind the vision of that church. Serve there and stay there. Serve there and stay there. Now, I'm going to tell you something. Upward has grown beyond my faith. If Upward was grown to the level of my faith, it'd be much smaller now. Can I just say this with joy in my heart? This place has grown far beyond anything I ever dreamed. 
and we're not done yet together. We got a lot more hills to climb. It's already gone farther than I ever dreamed. We had a volunteer appreciation last night. If you missed it, one of our volunteers, if you missed that, we had a wonderful time last night. We packed out Blue Ridge uh, Community College, a big room there, and uh, oh, it was just so full, and we enjoyed that so much. This place has grown so far beyond my wildest dreams, and I tell you what, I look back and say, thank you, God, for what you've accomplished in us together. Some of you have been to Upward a long time, and let me tell you, I thank God for what we've done together. God has used us to help him build something really good, and I'm excited about that. He's the builder, I know that. He's the one that does it all, but he's used us together. He uses people to accomplish things, and we've worked together. And, and I just can't tell you the great joy it brings to me to serve together with other people and build something great. Those of you who are newer to Upward, you're just jumping on board. Let me tell you, we got a lot of things to do together going forward. In 20 years from now, I want us to be able to look back and say, look what God did through us together. What I'm telling you is God didn't bring you into this church to be a spectator. He brought you in here to be a servant. I do not want you to look back on this church in 20 years because we're going to some great places and God's going to do some great things even greater than we've seen so far. 20 years from now, I want you to look back and say, I was a part of that. Not just as a spectator, but as a servant. So this is a call for you that if you are not serving Get with it. Let's do something together. I told you we'd moved recently and we went through old pictures and we were trying to sort through how many old pictures to keep. I believe I am of the last generation that will have boxes of pictures in the attic. I'm in the last generation. Everybody else is going to be on Facebook and on their phones. But I'm still of the generation, we have boxes of pictures. Let me tell you, I moved them this week. We got a lot of pictures. We threw out a bunch of pictures. Blurry ones that we don't even know who they are. <laughs> I had pictures in my attic of people that I don't know that I've ever met. I'm like, who is that? Throw that away. We came across a picture of Mr. Pete. Did anybody know Pete Gray? You know Mr. Pete? Yeah, yeah, you know him well back there. Oh, yeah. Mr. Pete, we came across a picture. He's in children's ministry. Picture of Mr. Pete with my little girl right here on him asleep when she was a year old in the nursery. Pete looked a whole lot younger, and so did she. My little girl's 23 today, and she's off in Memphis, Tennessee, working at a church right now. Mr. Pete is right there right now in children's ministry. 23 years later, he's still right there. Some of you dropped your children off with him this morning. I cannot tell you what joy it brings me to look back and say, we've served together and done something together for 25 years. I want that for you. We find joy when we serve with other people. I can't tell you what was in the room last night as our volunteers came together. I just about cried up there up front, and that would have been a moment for me, but I held it back because of the joy of seeing people work together to accomplish something for Jesus. When we pray for others, 
our joy grows. When we serve with others, our joy grows. Then lastly, Paul said this, verse 7. He said, just as it is right for me to think this of you all, because I have you in my heart. You're not just in my mind, you're in my heart. There's a connection between us that is deeper than anything this world can give. I have you in my heart, he says, inasmuch as both in my chains and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel, you are partakers with me of grace. Here's what Paul's saying. You have stood with me when I was in chains. You have stood with me to defend the glorious gospel of Jesus together. And you have stood with me to confirm the truth of everything Jesus taught and said. When you pray with others, your joy grows. When we serve with others, our joy grows. And lastly, when we stand with others, our joy grows. This verse is a little harder to understand than the other two, but I believe what Paul is saying is, I hold you in my heart because you have stood with me through some very difficult things. When I was down, you were there. When I was in prison, you were praying for me. We're going to learn next week that not everybody was Paul, Paul's friend when he was in prison. Some people were actually glad he was in prison because they wanted to build their ministries while he was gone. And you thought the early church was perfect. No, they were far from perfect. But Paul said to the Philippian church, we've been through some stuff together. Some of you served in the military. Some of you served in combat. I am told that there are few stronger bonds in this world than the bond between soldiers that have served in combat together. Because they've literally placed their lives in each other's hands and survived based on the faithfulness, the skill, and the ability of the others that were around them. And when you see these reunions of old soldiers coming together, there's something special there that's hard to find anywhere else because they have been through war together. And we thank God for all our veterans. If you're a veteran, we thank God for you. Thank God for you. We really do. Really do. There's something about standing with others that brings joy to our lives. When they suffer, we're there. When they're hurting, we show up. And we actually help further their ministry. And here's what's powerful about it. Paul said... As you have stood with me through my chains, through the defense of the gospel, through the confirmation of the gospel, he said this, you are partakers with me of grace. He said in the King James, it's written this way, he said, you are partakers of my grace. That's an interesting thought. Here's the truth of that. When we walk with others through suffering their grace spills over into our lives. The grace that God gives them to get through the trials, we share it together. I need grace. How many out here? How many need grace? How many need a little grace every day? 
How many need more grace in your life? How many could just turn up, God, send me a little more grace than I have? You can shoot that full of holes theologically, but I'm proving a point here, right? So here's the deal. You know how to get more grace? Enter into the sufferings of others. And Paul said, you share my grace. We're carrying a burden together, and you're walking in it. Can I tell you this? I don't know any other joy, any greater joy, than knowing you have stood with someone and watching them win the victory because you've stood with them. I'm hearing stories all the time of people at Upward who are standing together. I hear about a group of men who meet here weekly, and I've, I've talked to a few of them, and they tell me, thank God for him because he's held me up. I hear about a group of men having breakfast on Saturdays. Man, that group's growing. Biscuits and gravy aren't hurting anything. <laughs> I have 60 or 70 men getting together, and I hear them talking about how we stand together. There are groups of women that meet here. There's student groups. There's all kinds. They said we've helped each other. There's no greater joy than looking back and knowing your life had impact on another one. I'm going to close. I tell a story often, and you've probably heard me tell it, about early in my ministry here in Hendersonville that uh, an older gentleman started coming to Upward who was a known atheist in Henderson County. And he started coming to Upward. And we visited him and loved on him. And he started coming. And uh, he was a gruff, older man. had this real deep voice. He wasn't buying this Jesus stuff at first. Finally, one day, he stood up at the end of a service, and he said, I want to say something to the congregation. I thought, oh, Lord, here we go. I was too dumb to turn him down. Word to the wise, I'm not so dumb anymore. <laughs> he got up in front of the whole congregation, turned around in his deep voice. He said, I've decided to accept Jesus Christ as my Savior. He sat down. I was pretty glad I let him speak. I don't tell this part of the story because it sounds self-serving, but I really don't mean it that way. I want you to catch the joy in all this so you can be a part of it too. I was with him right before he died. He was on his deathbed at Party Hospital several years later, and he was dying. It was obvious. He was getting weaker and weaker. His deep voice that he had, he had a radio voice. His deep voice, he could, he could not talk much anymore. It was more of a whisper. And, uh, but he was conscious. I went in to see him. I took him by the hand. And he, and he looked at me weakly. And he said this. He said, Andy, I'm going to meet Jesus soon. I'm going to meet Jesus. And he said, and I'm ready to meet him. And I love that. Here's a part I don't tell too much. But oh, he said this. He said, Andy, I wouldn't be ready without you. And I'm going to tell you, friends, every time I think of that, I'm like, if I die tomorrow, that's all I need. Now, in Jesus' name, I'm not dying tomorrow. I said that for my wife. She's back there rebuking that. Oh, that's what she's doing. What I'm trying to say is, whenever I question life, whenever I question if I'm doing anything right, as you do, we all do that, don't we? 
I think back to what that man said, and I think, of course, Jesus saved him. Jesus died on the cross for him. Jesus did everything for him. But I think I was a part of him getting to Jesus. Boy, the joy in your life grows when you pray for others, when you serve with others, and when you stand with others. Your joy is going to go through the roof. Let's pray today. Jesus, we love you today. We thank you today. Your presence, your word, you're so real to us, Jesus. Lord, there are people in the room today, they just need an increase in the joy. Lord, may we commit ourselves to praying for each other. Lord, may we commit ourselves to serving together to build something in your name. And Lord, may we find those people that we'll stand with when times are tough. In Jesus' name, with heads bowed and eyes closed, who here today would say, Pastor, I'm saying yes to Jesus Christ this morning. Can I see your hands? I won't embarrass you. Love to see your hand. I'm saying yes to Jesus Christ today. How many would say, Pastor, I'm saying yes. I want to start praying for others like I've never prayed before. Can I see your hands? Oh, yeah, there you go. How many say it's time I start serving and stop sitting? Can I see your hands? Raise them up high. We have cameras here. We're taking pictures right now of you. You will be signed up for ministry. You think I'm kidding, don't you? All right. Isn't this wonderful way to give an altar call here? Talk about the cameras. All right. How many say, Pastor? I want to have the joy of standing with other people when they're in trouble. I want to be able to enter into people's suffering and stand with them. Can I see your hands? Amen. Amen. Father, in Jesus' name, thank you for the work you're doing in every heart. In your name, may it be done. Amen. Would you stand?